If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Uh, today is March 5th, and the third month of the year brings us Women's History Month. There has been great progress in TV and film for women, but the fight continues as artists and creatives advocate for more inclusion across race, sexual orientation, gender identity, and uh, this, the disabled community. We can see this one step forward and two steps back movement with this year's Independent Spirit Awards, which we'll talk about later, um, but they have dismissed the use of gendered award categories. So um, it has some divided. Uh, while many appreciate the sentiment in allowing non-binary and gender fluid performers feel more included, others feel it could end up pushing more marginalized performers and artists out of the running for certain nominations. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I could see how there could be a split there. Um, huh. That's tough because I don't think there's enough non-binary genetic fluid people to, uh, how do you say it, not have, to, to have like its own category. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I don't... Yeah, I don't think you could add in a category specifically for those people. So doing away with the gender helps. But at the same time, you would run the risk, I think, of some people getting overshadowed. You know, just because you have this non-gendered um, award ceremony doesn't mean those non-binary gender flip people would be in that group. So I don't know. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was talking with someone on Twitter and he was... A f- he kind of feared that it would push, you know, women kind of out of, out of categories if you have both men and women all yeah. in one. Um, but we'll just have to see eventually how how things turn out. I think it's a great idea because then you're just you're literally um, just grading the performances across right. the spectrum, and hopefully, you know, they already do it with director, and we see how a lot of women are sort of kept out of that category year after year but um maybe this this will be a start of a change possibly yeah yeah absolutely and with that we'll go ahead and get to our next segment with what's news And we're back again to our headlines. Um, there are some big stories this week, as always. First, we're kind of backtracking here. Um, after not hearing from him for quite a while, Jesse Smollett is back in the news as he is appealing his uh, jail sentence from his um, fake hate crime conviction. Right. So, uh, as we remember, I think it was back in 2020, 2021... Um, there was an incident where Jesse had claimed he had been uh, attacked by two MAGA supporters, allegedly, in Chicago. Um, And eventually it came out that this was all a hoax and a way to sort of build up his uh, profile, possibly get out of his (laughs) contract at Empire, which he was on at the time. Um, and he was convicted, um, but he was let out. I forget the real reason. Uh, Eventually, uh, essentially, he wants to avoid jail time, which he was sentenced to 150 days 
in jail. So he's appealing this sentence. Um, I I don't know. To me, I feel like it was sort of overblown. Um, I still don't know exactly what the truth is of exactly what happened. So okay. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the whole situation is strange, and it's become so much more than what I think it needed to be. But um, I think uh, I think everybody's just ready for it to end. So I guess we see how this plays out. Yeah, part of me wants them to just serve the time. Right. The other part, I guess, just to forget about to pay the fine and keep it moving. I, right. I don't. Right. I don't really know. Uh, the next story was an interesting article I read um, <clears throat> about a campaign in Denmark. Um, an organization called A Bigger Picture is sort of campaigning for diversity in um, TV and film industry over in Denmark. And they basically took um, movie posters that feature, you know, mainly white casts and sort of redid them to include people of color, um, people with different sexual orientations, transgender people, and disabled actors as well. And some reason it's sort of a- angered some yeah. uh, directors and whatnot. I think it's a great idea, but of course it was cause of wokeism trying to, I don't know, ruin people. But it, it posed something very interesting of what a Danish actor or actress should look like. And personally, when I think of Danish or Denmark, I do think, you know, European, Caucasian. So yeah. they're, just, they're just trying to change the face of what a, Den- a Danish actor looks like. And I think it's a, a really smart way to do it. But it, it did anger uh, Lars von Trier. Yeah, Trier. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's yeah. He's an interesting director, anyways. He's always playing with the um, with the boundaries of stuff of what you can and can't do. And uh, I, yeah, I, j- I just read the thing, and he likened the campaign to fascism in the sense that it, you know, it, it would put a quota or a, a restriction of freedom. And I don't think it's trying to do that at all. And I think that's where people get upset. They they think that oh, well, this is stepping on what I want to do, and they're just trying to say, well, you know the country doesn't look exactly like your films anymore. So maybe we need to open stuff up. But um, for so many people, that's so hard to think about because they've got their heads stuck up their ass. So, <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting how inclusiveness to people who have always been in power, or always been considered the norm feels like discrimination. It's, exactly. That's just exactly. not the case. <laughs> it's not the case at all. So, but a very interesting campaign. It, I think it's pretty provocative to sort of take that on and I'm sure in some ways the directors of those movies kind of feel like they're being attacked or targeted but I I don't think that's the case at all so it would be interesting to see how what results from that campaign over there Yeah. Um, and then the biggest story in the US um, tended to be a report from Rolling Stones about the behind-the-scenes drama on HBO's The Idol. Um, this is the series from Sam Levinson and Abel, the weekend uh, test far... Ugh. I hope I said his last name right. 
uh, Tess Faye, yeah. um, and, and also starring, um, what's her name? Depp. Uh, ju- oh, I like called her Julie. Uh, Lily Rose. Lily Rose Depp. Lily Rose, yes, who is Johnny Depp's daughter. Yeah. Um, and sadly, this is kind of expected. Um, back last year when they start, first started production, mm-hmm. uh, the female director left the project. Um, and it was stated that The Weeknd felt the show was going too much in the female perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so, like- um, yeah. The reports now say that there were a bunch of rewrites to where at one point, I guess, uh, Depp's character was asking the weekend's character to rape her or something yeah, to that I effect. That, and there were reports that many of the writers and people on the production said that it went from being satirical a depiction of fame and Hollywood to becoming what it was supposed to satirize. So. Um, I don't know how I feel about it now. I think it's still set to premiere in June, but Livingston's not making a good track record over HBO. No, and HBO looks bad because they keep, you know, handing him more money. Like, you know, when does something come down? When do they just say no? And it doesn't seem like it's going to happen as long as he keeps making the money, so. Yeah, yeah, and... I mean, I enjoy Euphoria. I think there's good performances, but a lot of people are like, yeah, that show's not good either. The way it depicts women, especially, and in, in this in this case, teenage girls. Um, the show Sam doesn't have quite the sleight of hand to sort of tell those stories. No. With nuance. He, uh, I don't know what he's after, but, um, and, you know, we're both fans of it, but Generation is a better show. Uh, it was. It, it totally was. It, 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 it was such. It was definitely the more realistic version of what a teen you always wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. Justice for generation. Yes. <laughs> um. So I'm sure there'll be more news as that series. Uh, as we draw closer to that series premiere this summer, but um. It's probably going to be a limited series. I don't see yeah. it getting renewed, and I definitely don't see it becoming like a ratings darling, but yeah. we'll have to find out. Um, over at the box office, Creed 3 has broken plenty of records as it took the top spot with $53 million. Um, This is not only the most, the best opening for the film in the franchise, um, it's also the biggest opening of all the Creed and Rocky movies combined, which is sort of wow. insane. It's also the biggest opening ever for a sports movie, the biggest opening ever for a black director in the directorial debut, which is Michael B. Jordan, and the biggest opening ever for Amazon, as this is one of their films. So congrats to uh, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. And this is also... The second consecutive number one movie co-starring the Jonathan Majors. So he's having a crazy year. <laughs> yes, insane. Um, sort of premiere to Hollywood, and I'm sure it's only going to go up as they prepare for his next film, Magazine Dreams, which is set uh, for later this year. Uh. 
But yeah, more on Creed a little bit later. Um, in the obits, sadly, we lost uh, famed actor Tom Sizemore. Um, yeah. He was known for his known for his roles in um, Black Hawk Down, as well as Pri- Saving Private Ryan, and uh, almost a hundred other film and TV credits. He sadly suffered a excuse me brain aneurysm on February eighteenth, and it left him unfortunately um just brain dead essentially yeah, yeah. um his family had made the choice to take him off of life support so um just a huge loss he was such a recognizable character actor and and definitely uh sort of like a titan in an industry um yeah, i think yeah. he has struck i think he has struggled with substance misuse in the past um but who knows? It, it's just really sad all all around. He was definitely, like I said, uh, a popular actor. Um, he also appeared in Heat, uh, Natural Born Killers, Company of Heroes, Pas- Passenger 57. Uh, the, the list just goes on and on. So um, condolences to his family. And with that wraps up our headlines. When we return, we'll get into our feature presentation. All right, this week's feature presentation, um, we are recapping the final two award events leading up to the Oscars. Uh, We have last week's Screen Actor Guild's Awards and this weekend, past weekend's Independent Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, for both, we can just say that uh, the top awards went to the sort of Cinderella Darling of the Year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, yeah. It actually made history at, history at the SAG Awards by winning four awards. It's the first film ever to, to do that. I think the most might have been three. But um, at the SAGs, it won... Female actor in the film for Michelle Yeoh. Supporting actor for Ki-Hong Kwan. Uh, supporting actress Jamie Lee Curtis. And then I believe it won Best Film. Yeah, Motion yeah, Picture yeah. Ensemble. Yeah. So a total of four, which I had no idea that was a record. Yeah, it seems like it would be uh, let's see. more, but... Right, right. Um, and then... Um, see elsewhere uh where's the tv side so you had um jessica chastain kind of surprising everyone winning a uh, female actor tv movie limited series for george and tammy i it's really interesting she's a wonderful actress but it seems like all her roles get like go under the radar and then just randomly she wins yeah and Look, I love Jessica Chastain. Like you said, I think she's a great actress. But it, to be fair, in that category, there wasn't anybody that could have beat her. I don't think anybody was better than her. Maybe Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried is really good in the dropout. But um, of that group, yeah, she she probably deserved it. But you're absolutely right. She does just kind of come out of nowhere. It's just like, wait a second. And you have to wonder, is it, is it like favoritism? You know what I mean? But you don't want to say that. Yeah, but... 
Exactly. Because I think the favorite was uh, Amanda since she had won the Globe. And I believe the Emmy as well. So, And, the, and of course, the Screen Actor Guild Award is uh, voted on by their peers. So right, maybe right. maybe she's like the actor's actor, if you will. Yeah, yeah. That could be it. Uh, male actor for the same category went to Sam Elliott for 1883. He was also surprised, as many people were. <laughs> A uh, female ML actor for comedy series, Jean Smart for Hacks. Um, and she was not present as she recently had a heart procedure. So yeah. uh, people were wishing, wishing her well wishes in her recovery. Um, they are believe they're about to film the third season of Hacks. Yeah. Uh, male actor for comedy series went to Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. Love that show. Yeah, it was um, good. On I, some, I guess it's... Oh, my bad. My bad. I was saying... I, it's one of those things where I was like a comedy, like <laughs> yeah, it's that whole half hour debacle, right? Like, right. like the rules kind of say, excuse me, if it's a half hour, it's automatically considered like a sitcom or a comedy, but it's definitely more of a dark comedy if if it's right. a comedy at all. Um, ensemble comedy series went to Abbott Elementary, um. And then the drama side, Jennifer Coolidge won for The White Lotus. And see, that's considered a drama because it's an hour, but many people would consider that a comedy series. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Jason Bateman won for Ozark, which I guess. Um, And ensemble drama series went to The White Lotus. And then the Lifetime Achievement Award went to Sally Field and Andrew Garfield presented that to her. I forgot they were in the Spire movie, Spider-Man movies together. So that was kind of yeah. random until I remembered that that fact. Um, and history was made, as we said, with everything ever, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, Kihu Kwan not only became the first Asian actor to win that supporting actor role, Michelle Yeoh became the first Asian actress to win female lead as well so uh, a lot of breaking wins there and then um, Jamie Lee Curtis also won for supporting actress over Angela Bassett and Jennifer Hsu um, not Jennifer, Stephanie Hsu so yeah um, oh but the, go ahead oh no I was just going to say I'm just not sure about that her performance was good in everything everywhere all at once but um. Yeah, I feel like they should have gone to someone else. Yeah, and it's it's half of it is that she's she's beloved by the industry. Her career, yeah, yeah, has spanned decades, and this is like her first really Oscar nomination. So, yeah. it was kind of coming. Um, but the the biggest surprise for the SAGs was it was not televised on television as it usually was. It it was usually aired on TBS and TNT, but we know Warner Brothers Discovery is doing weird stuff with those two networks. So it actually streamed on um, Netflix's YouTube channel, and I believe next year we'll actually stream on Netflix. So we're seeing sort of the gradual transition of award shows going from television to the streaming services where you're most likely allowed to curse uh there won't be any ads uh no real time limits on speeches it sort of feels more intimate and concentrated mostly on the reason you're there 
Um, and same could be said for the Spirit Awards. Um, they weren't aired on TV, not even on the IFC channel. Uh, you could watch on their YouTube channel and some other places online. Um, and these were hosted by um, Hassan Minhaj, as we know from the Patriot Act and The Daily Show. He has some real zingers at the beginning <laughs> of the show. Um, in particular, he sort of came for Deadline, some reason, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and his Ar- Army Hammer joke was very uh, sharp. It took a minute for everyone to sort of react to it. Um, yeah. But it, it was funny. Um, but yeah, the Spirit Awards again saw uh, everything ever all at once sort of best the categories. We had best supporting performance went to Kihu Kwan. Um... They also won Best Screenplay for the Daniels, Best uh, Performance for a Film, Lead Performance went to Michelle Yeoh, and Breakthrough Performance went to Stephanie Hsu. So they won all three acting. Um, they also won Best Editing. There's some other ones. They won Feature Film, of course. Mm. I think there was one more. There once I like seven altogether. Okay, damn. Right. Um, Spirit Wars also acknowledged a TV series. So best new scripted series went to the Bear. Um, then best unscripted or documentary series went to the Rehearsal. Um, Best series ensemble, or best ensemble in the new scripted series went to Pachinko, and that was given prior to the ceremony, which a lot of people forgot about Pachinko. It's an excellent series. Yeah, yeah. Um, Best supporting performance in the new series went to Ayo Edebiri for The Bear, which I was really excited for her. And then best lead performance for a new scripted series went to Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary. Yeah. So even with these non-gendered um, categories, four of the awards went to women, and they were mostly women of color. So there, there seemed to be progress there. And of course, the Spirit Awards kind of highlight those nominations or performances that sort of get overlooked right. um, by the bigger ceremonies. Yeah. Um, best documentary went to All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. A best international film was Joyland. A best first screenplay went to John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal. Uh, there was a Truer Than Fiction Award, which was an awesome moment. These sort of highlighted um, up-and-coming filmmakers. And it went to Reed Davenport for his short film called I Didn't See You There. And it was basically a film about his life as a uh, disabled man in a wheelchair. He shot it himself. It starred him. And it was a great moment to see someone um, not of able of the able community get up there and sort of accept that award. It was a really shining moment. Yeah. Um, Best cinematography went to Florian Hofmeister for the Tar, and I can't argue with that. Tar was beautifully shot. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, Producers Award. I do not remember who won that. Um, I think uh, I don't remember. 
<laughs> Let me look that up. Uh, Someone to Watch Award went to Nigyatu Jusu, who directed Amazon's Nanny. And they actually spelled her name wrong on the award. Oh, damn. That's great. <laughs> yeah. They, she kind of called them out on it as she accepted it. Um, it's kind of an awkward moment. Uh, let me see the other winners here. If I can find them. What is... What? Oh, okay. You're looking for that. The... um. Hold on, hold on. Uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, that is a uh, documentary focused on the artist Nan Golden, and it actually comes on HBO on March 19th. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, they just put a uh, trailer out, I want to say like Wednesday or something, or early last week. So, um, yeah, I've seen great reviews about it, so... All right, let me see. That was... Oh, Best First Feature. That's one I forgot. Uh, was After Sun, and Charlotte Wells accepted that, the director. Um, they had the John Casavetes Award, um, which awards the uh, winner a million dollars, and that went to the, the Cathedral, which is on MUBI, if you want to check that out. A uh, Robert Altman Award given to one film director, casting director, and ensemble cast went to Women Talking, and Sarah Pauly and some of the cast members accepted that. A producer award went to Tori Lenoski, and she produced, I think this year she produced After Sun, but they just awarded her for some of the some of the projects she has produced in general. Okay, okay. Um yeah, we had yeah, there was all the awards. So yeah, uh everything ever all at once won seven out of all the awards, which were a lot, and they're still up for eleven at the Oscars, so it'll be interesting to see because the Oscars the Oscars gonna do what they want to do. So Exactly. I not, saw uh I saw an article earlier today that said, you know, everything everywhere is on the streak, but so was Brokeback, Brokeback Mountain, which sort of, I guess, yeah. famously lost Best Picture or whatever. Um, but I have a feeling it's just it's just the right rollout um, with these wins, with Kihu Kwan basically sweeping the category all year, Michelle Yeoh getting these last few acting awards just as voting comes to an end. Um, and the push for Stephanie Hsu, not only did she win the Spirit Award, uh, she was also in this week's Poker Face, so her name is sort of getting out there a lot more. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they could sweep all three acting um, and the best film and possibly director. So, yeah. Hmm. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely see. There'll definitely be some conversation afterwards of all the winners. So you can you can bet on that. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. All right, that's our feature presentation, and when we come back, we'll get into streams of the week. All right, we come to our conclusion last segment here with streams of the week, and let's first get into some of the trailers that dropped this week. Yes. Um, the first was The Blackening. This is a project we've kind of heard a lot about the past few years, and it's finally coming to us in June. Um, it's a comedy, 
spoof film, if you will, starring an array of upcoming black actors. Um, they go for a resort and a cabin in the forest. And of course, um, they find this game <clears throat> that they must play to free one of their friends. And it touches on a lot of the tropes of black characters in the horror films. Um, even the tagline on the poster said, we all can't die first as, you know, black people tend to die first in <laughs> in horror movies. <laughs> um, but it looks it looks really promising. Uh, the cast is stellar with uh, Dwayne Perkins, Grace Byers, Melvin Gregg, Yvonne Orji, Jermaine Fowler, uh, Jay Farrow, Antoinette Robertson, and Sonequa Walls. Uh, are all starring it, along with X Mayo, who you may recognize from uh, American Auto. I believe she's in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for this. It, it looks really good. Yeah, it should be good. And you know what? Um, about the cast, I don't think he gets a lot of love, and people may even think he's hokey. But I genuinely like Jay Farrow. Like I, I, I think his his comedy is kind of. It's almost silly in a way, you know what I mean? Like it's it's different. Yeah, I think he got a lot of flack because he wasn't. How do I say this? Like he was on SNL and it felt like he was about to be next, but then his show got canceled on Showtime and just sort of fell flat. I don't know what happened. Right. But this might be like a renovation of his sort of like public image, uh, per se. So yeah, that draws, I think it's June 16th. So we have quite a while before that comes out, but I'm sure it'll be a hit this summer. Uh, we also got our first teaser for the third season of Dave over at FX. Of course, this follows uh, the rapper known as Lil Dicky as Dave is sort of like a semi-biographical, semi-fictional uh, chronicle of his career and life. Um... It, it's a, a very hilarious show, wonderfully wit- written and acted. Um, I think that arrives April 16th, maybe? April 12th? Something like that. Um, but it's a real good show. And then we got the trailer for Succession over HBO. Um, as many of you know, it was announced that season four will be its final season. So as we see in the trailer, everyone's picking sides as the Roy children, Kendall... Savan and Rory uh, prepare to sort of overthrow their father, Logan, to take over the family business before he sells to um, Alex Skarsgård's character. Um, I'm excited. Are you caught up on Succession? Have you ever watched? I watched maybe like the first three episodes and then I kind of dropped out. So um, once again, I'll I'll probably catch up and... <laughs> watch season four by sometime this year. So, yeah, it definitely starts slow. It that first season yeah. takes a while for it to get going, but um, it's an excellent series, and it's it's proven by the Emmy wins. It sort of has garnered since its premiere. Um, but yeah, Jesse Armstrong announced this will be the final season, and we'll see who wins. Uh, but nobody wins when the family feuds. So, right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll hop first into HBO Max. I see you checked out this uh, House Party remake. Yeah, I just gave it a go just because it looked like something lighthearted to watch, and it was. Um, 
So it's a little bit different than same premise as the original. Uh, these two kind of best friends, uh, they're, they're house cleaners, and I think they want to be club promoters. Have this idea to throw a party, and this party is at um, LeBron James's house, and I forgot why he's out. He's like at some weird uh, meditation retreat or something. Um, but then anyways, you know, so they throw a party, damage happens, and then uh, like they have a run in with like uh, kind of like a like an adversary, like a guy who they've always been against his, and like his gang. And then um, there's there's like a lot that goes in. Kid Cuddy comes in at some point, uh, and then there's some shit about the Illuminati. It it, it got kind of silly. It got off beat, and it it just didn't hit like the original, but. At the same time, it was it was all right. Like it was, if you needed something to watch to pass the time, it would do the trick. I think. Yeah, I, I, that Illuminati mention is kind of odd. Yeah, it was strange. It, it's not like a it's not like a huge part, but it has something to do with like uh, all with like the championships and something. It, it was really weird. I'd have to watch it again, which I'm not going to, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I guess I should say it had uh, Jacob Lattimore and Tosin Cole. Those were the two main characters. And um, I think I'm trying to think of what I've seen Jacob Lattimore in. I know he was in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but other than that, I'm not sure. But yeah, Tosin he, Cole, he's Tosin Cole's sort of like been a recent sort of up and comer. Yeah, yeah, he he was in the last two seasons of Doctor Who over in the UK. He's actually British, which uh, threw me off. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, Jacob actually has been a, a sort of like a kid star who's grown up. Um, yeah. He's been in the series of Shy on Showtime. Um, okay. It sort of pops up everywhere else. Um, he's also a singer, dancer. He's sort of like a triple oh. threat. That's good. Yep. All right. For myself, I kind of picked a random movie to watch. um, And that random movie was Every Secret Thing on HBO Max. Uh, It starred um, Dakota Fanning, uh, Daniel McDonald, Elizabeth Banks, Diane Lane, and randomly Nate Parker. And it's based on a book by Laura Lippman of the same name. Basically, um, after a three-year-old goes missing, um, two uh, young women who just got out of uh, juvie are sort of become prime suspects as they both went to juvie after a terrible incident involving another missing child. Um, I would describe it as sort of like kind of sharp, objects e in the way that um one of the particular characters acts out because of some things she's gone through and her relationship with her mother played by uh diane lane's character okay um i will say the book is probably better because reading the book description it sounds like it goes more into each of the characters sort of lies as they're affected by this uh, missing child. Uh, the film definitely only focuses on the main two characters, and we get like a snippet of the others. But I'm sure the book oh. explores more. Um, it was all right. It, it was nice and short. Um, I will say Daniel McDonald 
is sort of like the breakout here. And you would know her from, um, what's that Netflix, Netflix movie? Uh, Lemon, no. She played like the young girl who tries out for the pageant, but she's like plus size. What's that movie called? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, Dumpling or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it had like focused on Dolly Parton or whatever. She's sort of like the breakout star here. Um, and of course, the color fanning is is great. Um, Nate Parker got on my nerves uh, as yeah. soon as he came on the screen, and then randomly comments in it as well. So wow, just got everybody. Yeah, it, it was uh, just an assortment of characters. Um, <laughs> but if, if you're ever bored, <laughs> you can check it out. Uh, it definitely felt like one of those movies you'd see on the WB randomly on a Sunday afternoon after church. Right, right. So, yeah, but... Um, okay. Yeah, just something to check out. Um, so I also checked out the premiere of the third season of The Mandalorian. Um, it was decent. I was glad to be back in that sort of universe with those characters. Um, a lot of people were kind of upset that if you didn't watch Bubba Fett, you kind of missed some of the Mandalorian storyline. But it is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens this season as um, main character is set to return to his homeland to sort of uh, uh, pay penance for um, taking off his helmet, which is like the carnal sin of, uh, the, Mandal- of the Mandalore. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but we both sort of like uh, watched some more stuff on TV or other. Tell me about what you watched. Yeah. So I, uh, like I've said many times before, I'm obsessed with PBS. I watch it a lot. Um, there's there's just randomly really good stuff on there. But um, this past weekend or maybe uh, late February, I think last day of February, they had a documentary type special called Black Broadway um, a Proud History, A Limitless Future. And it kind of had a, like an all-star cast of people that uh, did performances, some of the songs from some of the you know famous black musicals. So there's Dream Girls, there was The Color Purple and uh, uh, Porgy and Bess. And it was, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Didn't know what to expect going in, but uh, like I said, the second thing I see something on there, they just catches my eye, I check it out, and they usually have pretty good um, documentaries. So, uh, and it was hosted by uh, Corbin Blue, which really tripped me out. He was part of it, uh, Stephanie Mills, and because um, I, I kind of been wondering where Corbin Blue was, and I guess that's where he's been. So, <laughs> okay, awesome. He, I mean, people kind of yeah. down because he was on Disney, but he can sing, dance, and act. So, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense for him to. Be part of Broadway it makes a lot of sense. And then the second thing I watched on PBS was a documentary about uh, Jimi Hendrix, the guitar player, the one of the greatest guitar players to ever do it. And this was just kind of about one of his biggest performances. Uh, and I think it was in Atlanta. It was a festival back there in the in 1970s. And so it just had some of his songs and uh, kind of showed how big of a name he was during that time and uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff, some of the talking to him, which was always interesting. He's such a, a character. And um, 
unfortunately, this was one of his last major performances. This was in July of 1970, and Jimi Hendrix died in September of that year, and he was only 27. So uh, every time I think about that and what he was able to, you know, to do and you know, four years of a career and how much he still loved. It's just, you kind of wonder if he had lived a full life, what, what he had, would have achieved. So. Right. Yeah. Gone too soon. Yeah. All right. For me, I went ahead and went to the theater today uh, to see Creed three. Um, as I mentioned before, I broke records this weekend. Um, it was directed and stars Michael B. Jordan, uh, Tessa Thompson, um, Jonathan Majors, Felicia Rashad, Wood Harris. Like the cast is is brilliant. Um, and actually, it it was really good. Um, Jordan, I think, is one of his better performances in film. I know he gets a lot of slack uh, or flack for like kind of just being himself on screen but um yeah he was he was great in this role um and it's only boosted by the presence of jonathan majors who is excellent um in his in his role um and the directing was great like yeah. you can kind of see the trajectory of of the plot simply because you know this is the third film in the series but um, it's all worth it. You never feel tired. There's never any pacing issues. Um, it does a great job of giving you some backstory on why these characters are sort of like at odds and everything. And the finale, there's a moment, um, of course, you know, it ends with a boxing match. Like, it's just like the rest of the movies. But um, there, there's a directed and choice in the end where it's sort of... Uh, upended my expectations of what the final final battle would be about. So um, okay. it was really good, and I think there's less boxing scenes in this movie, and it concentrates more on sort of the sort of like emotional trauma these characters have experienced as you know they grew up um, sort of orphans in the group home and just um, just being black young black boys and then black men you know in Los Angeles. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie. I really suggest recommend it for everyone to s- see it if they can in theaters. If not, definitely see it once it arrives on the streaming. Alrighty, and before we leave, what are we streaming for the weekend? I'm uh, gonna try to get into a lot of things. Last weekend before the Oscars, so I got a few things to knock out. Um, but I'll get to that. But first, uh, Perry Mason season two, which we both have on here. So uh, we were hooked to the first season. It, oh, man, it was so good. It was definitely one of those shows where you're counting down the days. Like, I need to know what happened. I need to know what happens next. And uh, I, I'm excited about what this case is going to be about. I'm not, I, I've not really seen anything other than the trailer. So, um, uh, yeah, that that should be a good thing. Um and like I said, for the, the, the Oscars, I have to knock out Triangle Sadness, which you told me was on Hulu, I believe. So I'll get to that. And then My Year of Dicks, the short documentary, which is also on there. And then um, on Amazon Prime, Daisy Joan and The Six. So I'm uh, going to give that a go as well. And yeah, uh, I don't think I'll be able to knock all that out. Uh, Perry Mason also comes on tomorrow, but the shows and the movies, I'll at least try to get through some of it. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, as you said, Perry Mason season two starts tomorrow, March 6th. I'm, I'm really excited. I've heard that this is more of what people would have expected from season one. Uh, the lawyer being in the courtroom solving the crime and everything. While I still enjoy season one, I, I can understand some people who were fans of the original kind of felt, not bamboozled, but felt that that origin story was a bit much, if, right. if you will. Um, and then over at Hulu, I want to check out Bruiser, uh, which is a film with Shavante Rhodes and Shamir Anderson and Jalen Hall. Um, we also get a new limited series, Unprison, that stars Kerry Washington and uh, uh, what's his name? Shoot. Uh, Delroy Lindo. Um, oh, okay. He plays her father who's just got out of prison and comes to live with her and sort of like both of them sort of learning how to <clears throat> let go of some of the some of the past. Um, so yeah. As always, we thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Trimble Life Podcast with Brendan and Lauren. Please like, review, and share the show on your platform of choice if you like what you hear. And if you don't, let us know on our socials. Uh, stream for Life Pod on Instagram or Stream for Life on Twitter. And that's S-T-R-M, the number four, and life. Next week, we will recap the Academy Awards happening on Sunday, March 12th on ABC. Will Everything Ever All At Once complete its marvelous run for Yo, Hugh Kwan, and the Daniels? Or will the indie darling Cinderella story end before the strike of midnight? We all shall see. Until then, keep on streaming. Peace.